2 Corinthians. Let's stand together as we reverence the reading of God's Word, 2 Corinthians. We're going to talk about sometimes it's what we don't do. Sometimes it's what we don't do. And what that means will become evident, hopefully, if I do my job tonight. Uh, sometimes it's what we don't do. 2 Corinthians 1.15 And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit, to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and maybe help by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. And may God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. You may be seated. <clears throat> our text tonight brings us to a strange situation that had developed uh, between the Apostle Paul and the church at Corinth. At first, it may not seem like such a big deal. Uh, but it was a big deal because Paul found himself uh, in trouble, if you want to look at it that way, uh, with the church that he himself had founded. And by the way, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. From Acts chapter 18, we know that Paul spent 18 months in the city of Corinth, winning people to Christ, establishing this church. But after he left a faction arose in the church that questioned him and questioned his leadership. They insinuated that he wasn't a real apostle like Simon Peter was. He addressed some of that in the first letter because he said, some of you are saying you're of Cephas, that is Simon Peter. Some of you claim to be following me. Some of you uh, claim only to be following Christ. Uh, there were divisions, factions among them. Paul addressed that then in his first letter. But probably the biggest thing that had developed in all of this was that they were saying that Paul could not be trusted because he had written to them in his letter, 1 Corinthians, as we'll see in a few moments, that he was going to come to see them. And he didn't. There ain't nothing worse than a preacher that says he's coming by and he don't come by. I'm telling you, that's a, that's a bad, bad deal. And it blew up into a big deal, of course, because this was Paul the Apostle. It was his letter that actually ends up in the New Testament. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. How can Paul be trusted when he told us something that wasn't true? You know, a lot of big problems start small. Somebody didn't greet us in the hallway. They didn't answer an email. They didn't respond to our text. I told our young adults the other night that I had discovered a, a whole new word called ghosting. And since most of you are my age or older in this church tonight, you might not know what that means. That means when you're texting somebody and they don't respond, they're ghosting you. Well, you know, it's amazing how, how, how quickly we can decide, you know, somebody doesn't text me back within five minutes or so, well, they're probably mad. They, we hear that somebody said something about us. Suddenly, somebody seems cold or distracted when we're around them. 
and we immediately begin to think that something is up. It's a small thing. Somebody didn't look at us right. They didn't shake our hand. They didn't greet us right. Uh, something happened. It happens that way around churches all the time, but it's not just churches. From a tiny spark of discontent, a mighty flame of unhappiness can grow, and it can quickly turn into a wildfire that can burn a relationship to ashes. Churches have split, friendships have ended, relationships have been destroyed, homes have been divided over something small. Sometimes we'll see tonight it isn't what you do, it's what you don't do. But we see in the, in the interaction here then between Paul and the church at Corinth, we'll, we'll see a few things that maybe will be helpful to us tonight and, and we'll make a big point toward the end. Uh, obviously, we see that Paul's actions were questioned. If Paul's actions are questioned, then we can pretty well say that our actions, our actions may very well be questioned too. Paul's were. He planned to go to Macedonia. That's 1 Corinthians 16 and 5. And then to Corinth. Macedonia is Greece. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia. For I'm passing through Macedonia. He was already doing it. And it may be that I'll remain or even spend the winter with you. That you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way. But I hope to stay a while with you. If the Lord permits. That's a very big statement. If the Lord permits. He had plans. He hoped to spend the winter in Corinth. If the Lord permits. But that trip never took place. He later planned to go to Corinth. Then to Macedonia and back to Corinth. And in this confidence he said. I was minded to come unto you before. That you might have a second benefit. That is a, a uh, and so he was thinking, I might go to Macedonia, but I'll stop by Corinth on my way and stay there for a while, going into Macedonia, and then come back. So that you'd get two benefits that way. It wouldn't just be a short stay for a little while, but I'd get to stay with you twice. And he was mindful to do that, and he had apparently told him that. Uh, there is another letter that Paul refers to repeatedly that he wrote to the Corinthians that was not a part of the canon of Scripture. It was a harsh letter, as some people said it. Uh, he had some very difficult things to write. So probably a letter that Paul didn't want to write and they didn't want to read. Uh, but he'll refer to it a little bit later and we'll see. This other letter we don't have. It's not in, in the Scripture. Uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters that were not included in Scripture. And that was one of them. Uh, and apparently he had told them in that letter that he was... On his way to Macedonia, he was going to go there. On his way, he's stopping at Corinth, go to Macedonia, then come back. But in the meantime, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, I determined this with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Along the way then, Paul decided that it was best not to go to Corinth at all at this point in time. Why did he do that? Why did he change his mind? Not once, but twice. Uh, the question is hard to answer because we don't have all the details regarding the difficulties that were going on. 
But we do know that Paul was uh, changing his plans and that his opponents were using that to criticize him and to reject him and to say that he's not trustworthy. Paul had to defend himself, and he did. He did did it in verse 12 by telling them that his conscience was clear, uh, that he hadn't hidden anything from them, that he hadn't tried to deceive them. He had been open and honest with them. He had told them, I'm coming. Then he told them, uh, I may, if, if the Lord permits, I'll, I'll may come, I'm, I, and I'm planning on coming. And when he said those things, his yes was yes. And if you're not familiar, that's a, uh, an Old Testament principle. Let your, something Jesus taught as well. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, and when he said that, he, he said things that he meant. Paul didn't try to hide his change of plans. And he wasn't being inconsistent. And because of this, you know, he would go on then and say to them in verse 20, For all the promises of God in Christ are in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And so Paul was telling them, he said, my message comes from God. The message never changes. God's message is always yes. And we say as God's people, amen to all of God's promises. Everything God promises us will come true. Uh, Dwight O. Moody said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. I like that. Uh, God's promises are true. And they are in Christ. And so God promised to establish us in Christ. He anointed us in Christ. He hath sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in Christ so that we can be confident in the promises of God. So those critics of Paul who were saying, well, if you can't believe him when he says he's coming, how can you believe all those promises that he's writing to us, all those other things that he's saying? And Paul gave them a very good answer. He said, the promises of God are not dependent on Paul. Promises of God are in Jesus Christ, and they are yes and amen. I'm just a messenger that gives them to you. And so he's been very straightforward to him. Yes, I did change my mind. I told you something, and it didn't work out. I did, by the way, tell you if the Lord permits. But in the end, I decided it was better not to come to you at all. My conscience is clear. The promises of God are steadfast. God's word is our standard. All of that then comes through clearly. Verse 23 then of chapter 2, he tells them this. I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. And so Paul's critics were accusing him of being just some kind of fly-by-night operator. He was just coming through to pick up uh, whatever he could get from him, <coughs> from them uh, for his own personal benefit in some way, questioning his motives. You won't live very long in life. Most of you have probably figured this out by now. When someone cannot argue with what you're saying, when you're speaking the truth and they can't defeat that in any other way, They'll impugn your motives. It's the easiest thing to attack because, of course, uh, you can't defend your motives. I mean, what's, what, why do you do what you do? 
And when they can't attack anything else, they'll attack your motives. And that's what they were doing to Paul. And so Paul addresses that too. I call God as my witness. That's as serious as it gets. And that I did not return to Corinth in order to spare you. You see, he had already written them that harsh second letter. He had some very difficult things to say in there. And he knew that going in there, following that tough letter up with a personal, vi- with a personal visit, uh, would probably erupt in an angry confrontation. So he said, I said what I needed to say. I wrote what I needed to write. So I'm not going to come to you right now. But notice what he said in verse 4, chapter 2. I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. I'm not sure that the church at Corinth, when they were hearing that letter read to them, was saying, my, doesn't Paul love us to be talking to us this way? Yes. He wrote a harsh letter. And that letter was washed with his tears. Anguish of heart and many tears. It's a great example for us tonight. If you've got something hard to say to somebody and you're not crying when you're thinking about saying it, you're probably not ready to say it yet. Until you can weep over it. Thinking of those people hearing these harsh things. People that you love and it breaks your heart to have to tell them this. Yet in spite of all of that, Paul was aware some of them wouldn't listen. (laughs) Some had already made up their minds. He couldn't solve everything. The church was so rent with factions. Paul said... I decided not to come at this time. And so, it's another time that I had a a passage of Scripture. This one, in fact, that came to mind as I was thinking about Moses this morning. And not just this morning, but throughout the week. Thinking about what I preached, though, this morning. About God sending Pharaoh, Moses to Pharaoh. And preaching to him, thus saith the Lord God. And Pharaoh wasn't interested in hearing what Moses had to say, but God sent Moses to say it anyway. And he said it faithfully and well. But what a difference. Here's another case, another God-inspired man. He said, I'm going to come see you. No. I'm not going to come right now. Because I want to spare you that angry confrontation. Paul knew that his personal presence in Corinth at that moment in that situation would only make things worse. So he didn't go.
Waiting can be hard. Sometimes, of course, it's a challenge to our faith. When we have to go to someone and say something, maybe speak the gospel to someone knowing or feeling at least that they're not going to be receptive. It's, it's a challenge to our faith to speak the truth of God in a hostile environment. But being convinced that we must speak, though people may not want to hear it. But it is just as challenging to our faith when we decide that the thing for us to do is wait. Is wait. And in fact, waiting can be the hardest thing of all. I have to admit, I I can look back at times that I've made some mistakes in the ministry and that came because I refused to wait. And I felt like I just had to jump up in it and (laughs) I'm going to fix this. I didn't fix it at all. made it worse. Sometimes... It takes great faith, you see, to rush into that hostile situation to declare the work of the Lord. Sometimes it takes even greater faith to wait on the Lord because we know we'll make things worse and not better. And so I bring you both sides of this coin today and tonight. Because I know it may be a friend, someone you love dearly. It may be a co-worker, a neighbor a husband, a wife, a child, a grown child, a teenager. Someone that we're struggling with. Someone that we know desperately needs to hear the truth of God. And they're not probably going to like it. So do we speak the truth they don't want to hear like Moses? Or do we wait like Paul? How do we know which one is the right thing to do? We don't. We don't. We have to pray. I hope we do. We think about it carefully. We plan it prayerfully. Paul gave this a lot of thought and a lot of prayer. He was ready to go. He's going. Wasn't that he was afraid. We know better than that. But as he thought about it, as he prayed about it, he understood that he needed to give God some time to work in this situation. And after a while, he became convinced. And that's what he said. It's not just my yes and no. It's just not just me just popping things off. Yes, yes, I'll come. No, I've decided not to. No. Uh, he made it very clear. It was, it was God. He was seeking God's leadership in it all. And though it took him a while to get there, he did get there. Reminds me of that time when uh, they had that famous Macedonian call. Do you remember that? When Paul was thinking about going this way and uh, no, it didn't happen. We're going to go here. No, that door closed. Can't go there. Well, we'll go here. No, no, no. And Paul went to bed and went to sleep and he had a vision. And there was a man from Macedonia saying to him, come over and help us. 
And so he knew that's, that's where God needed him to go. And it wasn't that Paul was indecisive. It wasn't that he didn't know what he was doing. It meant that he was seeking God. And it took him a little while to figure out what the Lord wanted him to do. Aren't you glad God put that passage of Scripture in the New Testament for us? That the Apostle Paul, yeah, that Paul, the Apostle, sometimes struggled, sometimes had to seek God. Sometimes thought this was going to go and it didn't. And he had to back up. And all of this very faithfully, carefully recorded for us, played out on the pages of Scripture so we'd understand. It takes great faith to speak God's truth like Moses did this morning. It takes great faith to wait like we see Paul doing. And we don't know which one needs to be applied, but we know the one who does know. And we need to ask him. So when we do, what can we learn about this? When we do then realize that it's time to go and speak. Something has to be said. It's time to say it. Um, Peter gave us some great advice in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. He said, when you speak, speak as the oracles of God. And now an oracle of God was a short statement of truth. And there's times, and this, uh, y'all will all say amen when I say this, but there's times when you've got to say something, and the best way to say it is the shortest way. Be brief. Be brief. Uh, I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> say amen. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> also be truthful uh, Ephesians 4.15 says speak the truth in love speak the truth just tell it tell the truth that's what Paul did in this passage he told him yes I told you I was coming yes I wrote you in the harsh letter that I'd hope to come by and see you briefly go on into Macedonia and come by but that didn't work in the end I decided it was best for me not to come at all right now. Just straight up. And the reason I did that was to spare you. Because if I'd have come in there, it was not going to be pretty. It would have been an angry confrontation. It would have been bad. I decided not to come. He was truthful. He was not only truthful about what he had done, but how he reached that decision and why. He told him the truth. And he did it out of love. And then Paul was faithful. Because after everything was said and done, Paul was still Paul. He was still loving those people. Still speaking to them God's truth. And he forgave them. And they forgave him. He was faithful to the gospel. And we can learn then how that when we do, when we do go into this kind of situation, be brief, be truthful. Speak as the oracles of God. Speak the truth in love. And then speak faithfully. Speak the word of God. And speak it faithfully. And so tonight we get one of those messages that's kind of a point and counterpoint. I have to admit to you tonight I'm a little bit more sympathetic to Moses in this situation, I, I'd, I'd like to be that Moses going in preaching to Pharaoh. That's my kind of day. I like that. Yeah. 
I like it. And then Paul saying, no, I think I just need to wait. I don't like waiting. But you know, the Bible tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God works in the waiting just like he is at work in the working. And if we'll patiently seek him, he'll tell us which one is needed. So tonight, let's just think about it a bit. Think about both sides of this equation. Take it to heart and maybe learn a bit more about how to deal with some of those difficult situations because you've all got them, and I do too. One of the things you see over and over again in Scripture, we'll wrap it up this way. One of the things you see over and over in Scripture was dealing, Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus dealing with the lepers. You never notice that? Over and over again, Jesus talked to them. People didn't talk to lepers. He touched them. People didn't touch lepers. Um, for the most part, lepers were outcasts of society. They were, people were afraid of them, rightly so. You could catch leprosy from being around a leper. There was no cure. And people died a terrible death with leprosy. I heard a preacher one time ask a question and said, Who are the lepers in your life? The people that you avoid. People you don't like to talk to. People you don't like to be around. We've all got them. People, if we see them coming down this aisle, we'll go down the other aisle. People, if we see them in the store, we'll ease around, just go the other way. Who are the lepers? See, we've all got somebody out there that we would love to be able to talk to, work through things. We've all got them. We've all got them. And today we get a couple of different examples. Both of them are valid. But tonight may be something that will help us as we think about these situations. Are you waiting tonight? Somebody that you got a burden for in your heart. You'd love to be able to talk to them. But you know you can't. You can talk to the Lord. Because we see in this whole situation with Paul tonight how he bathed it with prayer. Let's do that. Let's stand together, please.